Hello, this is Barbara Avila with Synergy Autism Podcast. Thank you for listening in. Today, you are going to hear me talk about having high expectations and learning how to assume the intent of someone on the autism spectrum or an autistic. All right. Thank you and enjoy. Synergy Autism Podcast. Hello and welcome. Today I am going to be talking about having high expectations, which I also like to say assuming intent. And I'll get into the difference and etc. as we chat. But I'd like to talk about having and keeping high expectations with people with autism or autistics, as many adults prefer to be named. I know the word expectations has a negative side to it. I know that if you have expectations that then do not get met of something happening, for example, that either there's great disappointment or feelings of failure that can result. I also know that if you have low expectations for yourself or others, that can lead to learned helplessness, boredom, and not challenging yourself or others enough. So I've spoken in the past about how challenging it can be for people with autism to shift their attention. So I've done another podcast about that and some Facebook Lives. Through my experiences and research, I truly believe that motor planning is somewhere at the root of autism so that people who are nonverbal may not necessarily have delays in their thinking and their receptive language, but may have great difficulty getting those thoughts out to the world in the form of words, which if you think about it, takes great motor coordination. So I want you to imagine for a moment that a young child has difficulty motorically shifting his or her attention from one stimulus to another, their eyes, their head, needing to move those in unison. They then have the subsequent missed opportunities for social reciprocity or the back and forth with others that teach us so much about ourselves and the world. This would mean that that person was cogn- was not Sorry, this would mean that that person was cognitive, wasn't cognitively delayed until they missed so many opportunities to develop and grow that started to fall, they started to fall more and more behind. So let me say that again since I kind of messed it up. So this would mean, so if a person has motoric difficulties with moving their eyes and their head, shifting their attention, they would not necessarily be cognitively impaired until they miss so many developmental milestones or developmental opportunities that would help them develop and grow. That's when they would start to fall more and more behind. So I hope that makes sense. Now imagine if in the smaller day-to-day moments we assumed the difficulties with motor coordination and shifting attention while they are capable of age-appropriate thought, just not action. So assuming intent that they are capable of age-appropriate thought not just and just not action, we would then speak to that person at age level, simplify wording without talking down to them. We'd slow down and allow processing time. 
So again, now imagine if in the smaller day-to-day moments, we assume that the difficulties were motor coordination and difficulties with shifting attention. And while, and we could assume intent and assume that they are capable of age-appropriate thought, just not motor action. This is when we would be offering things that were age-appropriate. We would simplify wording without talking down to them, and we would slow down and allow processing. All right. Now I want you to imagine if in those same smaller day-to-day moments, we did assume cognitive delay and disinterest instead. We would then speak to the person if this was the assumption. We would disregard their age-appropriate needs and wants. We may even use baby talk, and we would not provide challenges that were just out of their range. And I'm not saying that we want to challenge anybody out into when they're stressed, but I mean just challenging them to do more than they can right now. So just a hair above. This would then, if we weren't doing that, it would reduce the person's feelings of confidence that even they could do it. So if we're not offering it as guides for them, they're going to assume they can't, which then is going to promote learned helplessness, which then is going to promote prompt dependency. I have a lot of teenagers, for example, who come to me and are very cue dependent, prompt dependent, and this could be potentially the root of it. And simply by having higher expectations and age-appropriate expectations in some ways, we can undo some of that prompt dependency. So how do we assume intent and raise expectations? Now, how do we do that? We speak and engage the individual at their chronological age, obviously, even if that person is completely nonverbal or is echolalic, which is repeating phrases from movies or repeating what you just said. We can talk about things that most people their age would be interested in and explore just as you would with any individual. Now, we can also modify and accommodate for them. We can provide visual support for shared understanding. We can provide fewer words, but again, at age level. We can slow down to allow processing time, and we can connect rather than simply directing. We get into the habit of doing a lot of directing telling and accept and expecting compliance rather than sharing and connecting. Raising expectations means that you can figure out ways to share and connect with people with autism as well. So I'm going to go a little bit by age range now. So the first is young children. I want, if you have a young child, very young, infant, toddler, young child, do not take their looking away from you personally or that it's indication that they're not interested in you or what you're offering. Assume that they want engagement but may need more time to shift their attention and practice their own regulation so that they can come back to you. With older children, make sure that you engage and and help them balance their play. And when I say that, I mean... Oftentimes we get into either having a child completely follow our lead and be compliant, or more often we get into as parents or guides following a child's lead, but not having a balance of both. And really for healthy, true, long-term development, you need a healthy balance of following their lead as much as they follow yours. You just may need to guide them slowly and deliberately so that they can follow yours. 
The other piece with that imbalance of play is making sure that you're modeling pretend play, even if and maybe especially if you are not seeing it from them yet. You might hear my dog in the background. I apologize. (laughs) But make sure that you balance their play. So make sure even though they won't be initiating the pretend play, that you continue to offer it. You, they may surprise you. Respect also, respect how hard they are working to learn and use language. So this is again with older children, raising expectations and respecting how hard they're working. If they approach you with the same statement or question repeatedly, assume that they want to connect. So assume they want to connect with you. So instead of reacting to their words, and repeating them or telling them to stop or whatever, respond to them as a person, connect, involve them in what you are doing, respond with a comment or simply, I love you or nice to see you. And the last one, again, this is for older children, which also is true for teens and adults, which I'll get into next, but is to make sure that you're, you're offering and requiring chores and responsibilities at age level. There's lots of Uh, lists. If you go on the internet and do a search, you will find lots of lists for age-appropriate chores and responsibilities. Just because somebody has autism or is nonverbal does not mean that they um, can't do those same things. They may need a little bit of support at first, but they will be able to do the same things. So those lists are pretty good. So teens and adults. Here I just want you to, again, back to the respect and higher expectations that people with autism have personalities just like everybody else, and they're going to, you know, have, um, be introverts or extroverts um, just like everyone else. So respect that. So it's not all autism. It's just that some people have different personalities too. They're emotional. They can feel lonely. They have a fear of failure, all of those same things. And they're going to want control and independence over their lives. That's something that you can help with. So you can ensure that they have adequate choices and control over their lives. Um, We may have to drive this because they may not drive it themselves of of wanting that independence or control, but they will usually respond with increased feelings of confidence and competency when you present it. So that includes those household chores and responsibilities. A couple that um, come up really frequently is having a teen or young adult or adult of any age make dinner one time a week for the whole family or for the household. And then paying rent or an equivalent. So if somebody isn't making money, they can certainly sit down and you can have a conversation with them about how they can contribute because they're not able to pay rent yet. And raise your expectations that that will be well received. It usually is. So the last part of this is just having conversations rather than just when you want something. So again, that's back to the connect and share. So we tend to get into, um, especially with adults, uh, well, teens and adults, that we get into this nagging and only connecting when we want something. And so I really want you to shift back to that balance of having conversations about just nothing too at the same time or their special interests or lots of different things, not just when you want something, not just when you want to talk about the future, etc. So share age-appropriate interests with them, speak to them with fewer words and more processing time, but at chronological age, listen for and respect their unique ideas. 
And I'm going to end on this note because autistic people have fabulous ideas, amazing and wicked senses of humor at times, and all we need to do is raise our expectations of their contributions to the world in the smaller day-to-day moments. Thank you for listening. Please like my page, Center D Autism Center, um, on Facebook, and I also have an Instagram account, same Synergy Autism Center. You can also share your thoughts with me um, by emailing me at barbara at synergyautismcenter.com. You can check out my website, synergyautismcenter.com. And thank you for joining me. And um, I hope you'll come back and listen to some of the other podcasts that I have. Take care. Synergy Autism Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Synergy Autism Podcast, where we bring research, information, and people together to best understand and love those with autism, also known as autistic individuals. Check out my website for lots of additional links, like my Facebook account, Instagram account, blogs that I have written, videos, and even courses that are both free and some that I have labored with some wonderful colleagues um, to produce just for you. And contact me with questions and ideas for future podcasts. I'm here. I'm listening. Till next time.